Hi, I'm Andrew Begovic, and you're watching Eurotrips. Hello, and welcome back to the Eurotrips football podcast. Two of our four leagues have now finished, so it's now time as we give, for our third year in a row, our teams of the season. Now, we are also going to give you, in our next episode, our worst teams of the season, but this episode is a turn of our best team of the season. If you aren't familiar with the format from previous years, we will each give our best 11s from our respective leagues. And of course, with me to do this, as ever, is Ryan and Naeem. Uh, how are we, boys? Doing very well, thank you. Yeah, can't complain, thank you. And so we know we've got sort of, well, sort of domestically, only really one we left of the league, and then the FA Cup final, Champions League. For me, personally, I don't know what you think. Do you think this has been maybe what's felt like the longest season ever because of the World Cup break in between? Yeah, it has um, seemed like it's dragged, doesn't it, with the World Cup in between. But, yeah, I'm just glad it's over now. Um, can rest with our summer and then start again next season. Yeah, it has, to be fair, felt like an eternity. But um, I think it's been a been a good season in all of Europe's top leagues, to be honest with you. And I'm not happy that's over with because now there's two months of no football. So... <laughs> Yeah, well, for me, for obvious reasons, I am very glad the season ended. Um, and I think we can use this two months, hopefully, to have a rest. Um, but yeah, no, silly, you know, it's never nice not having a break. But I think it's one year I've actually been happy to have a break because, to be fair, the last two years we had the Euros in 2021, we had the Women's Euros last summer, and also in the World Cup. So it is sort of nice and we have a little bit of a break um, in terms of the next two months because. For me personally, it's felt like a long time. I mean, I've you know, I started off the season at still living in Brighton. You know, I went traveling in America, watched games back at my parents' house, watched games in Thailand with you guys. Um, so for me, it has been like a long time, and it just feels for me, it feels crazy that you know, the the, the infamous contained tutorial handshake happened this season. I mean, that feels like you know, when Scott Park got sacked, that that feels like it was um, you know, an eternity ago. Um. Uh, yeah. It's, it just it just it just seems to have dragged. I think because of the World Cup break, uh, it just it just feels mad that midway through the season we had a World Cup and I got to see Wales play in one for the first time. And you know, a lot a lot's happened really. Um. Really since and uh. So yeah, as I said before, we're each going to give our respective elevens from each league. So of course, Naim will give his La Liga team of the season. I'll give my own Premier League team of the season. Ryan will give his uh, Serie A team season. And at some point in this podcast, we will hopefully hear at some point me and Jonathan's chat about his Bundesliga team season. What we'll do after the end of the episode, we will put a poll on Twitter, like we have the last two years. We will put a poll for sort of each position uh, and sort of the players from each league we've chosen. And we will hopefully have you guys, by the time uh, the next podcast comes out, uh, vote complete. And we'll have our listeners or viewers um best 11s combined from from Europe so um we may as well start with you know you know what I'm gonna start alphabetically so that means that obviously Bundesliga was not here so let's go for what will be the La Liga so Naeem what we're gonna do as well we're, we're not we're gonna everyone's got a chance to speak at different times we're gonna go position by position rather than all 11 from one league. So we each go with our goalkeepers from each league and, fight and you, you know, the score. Um, first of all, boys, what is your formation for your teams? My one is 4 3 3. Yep, as is mine. And Ryan? 4 2 3 1. 
There's loads of one in there. How did I know that? That's um, that's Ryan Masanji favour. That is that, that's <laughs> a staple of your of your formations. Um, so yeah, Naeem, starting off with your goalkeeper, who is in goal for your La Liga team this season? Well, if you've been watching La Liga, it'd probably be pretty obvious. Um, I've gone for Barcelona's Mark Andron Testegren. And any honourable mentions, or was it is because it, he booked book the record uh, this season? Is was he just that standalone of a got of a of a choice? Yeah, he's been um obviously Barcelona. They've only conceded eighteen goals this season, and yeah, he's been a big one of the main, um, reasons why they have conceded such few amount of goals. But yeah, he equaled a record for most clean sheets in a uh, season by a goalkeeper. So yeah, he matched the record of Deportivo's keeper Paco Liano. He was from the 93-94 season. So, yeah, this goes to show um, how long that record stood. And they've still got one more game. So, yeah, he could actually um, beat the record. So, yeah, he's kept 26 clean sheet out of 37 games. So, yeah, it's not going to be anyone but him. OK, um, on to the next league, which alphabetically is the Premier League. And just before we do that, um, of course, action from the Premier League. The league has finished now. It was Leicester and Leeds who went down. And it was uh, Aston Villa who got the Europa, Europa Conference League place. Um, so for me, my choice was between three goalkeepers. Really, I think there's been three standout choices. Um, I think third best for me was Nick Pope. I think if, he, if he'd been the good the whole season, I think he would have been a lot higher. I think the first six months of the season, he was probably the standout goalkeeper, I'd say. But I think his performances did drop after the new year. Um, and just missing out is Aaron Ramsdale. Um, I think that he oh, had had a very good season, and I think he, you know, he really hasn't really been to blame much for the for the downfall of Arsenal, but um, certainly had a, had a great season, and he made some great saves. And really, his performance at Anfield would have been talked about for years to come if Arsenal had gone on to win the league because he made some amazing saves that that day, especially. And you know, a lot of people back then were viewing it as a title winning performance, and obviously it didn't work out. But you have to give. Um, Ramsdale, a lot of credit for this. Uh, but number one is Alison Becker. Now, I know people are thinking Liverpool finished fifth. They didn't, they were better to get it second. If it, but my thinking is that if he wasn't in, if he wasn't behind the sticks in goal for Liverpool, we would be a lot worse. He, to me, I think it's been him and someone and Mohamed Salah for Liverpool's play this season. I, I, I would give it to Alison because he's just been that good in goal. Only one real mistake, and that came in the Champions League against Madrid, but Courtois also made a mistake that game. But Looking at Premier League alone, for me, um, I, I do think that Alisson was stand up just because I think that I don't think Arsenal really gained many positions because of Ramsdale, but I do think Liverpool probably, I reckon, finished four or five places higher because of Alisson. Some of the saves he made in some crucial games. Um, and obviously, he, he is, for me, still the best keeper in the world. And I think that he definitely established himself this season as that. And I think definitely it's a tie between him and Courtois for that role. Um, but yeah, um, you boys, obviously, you two, the Arsenal fans in this. Um, would you say Ramsdale's been harshly treated by it, that choice by me? Or do you think that maybe it's still is Alisson? Or do you think maybe Ramsdale should have been my choice for goalkeeper? I'd say it's probably a toss up between. Um, yeah, like you said, Alisson, Ramsdale, probably Nick Pope. Um, yeah, Ramsdale's had a good season, to be fair. I um, can't knock it. But the reasons you gave for Alisson, they are pretty fair, to be fair. And you know, I know you only just about got Europa League, but yeah, it has been a terrible part. But um, yeah, I would say it's out of those three, if I was to pick my goalkeeper from the Premier League, out of the, those three goalkeepers. 
Okay, moving on to Ryan and Syria. Um, so Ryan, who's your goalkeeper? Um, <clears throat> this was slightly difficult because Mike Magnon has been very good once again this season for Milan. For me, one of the best goalkeepers in the world at the moment. Um, the Mexican cult hero of Guillermo Ochoa has been very, very good for Salernitana this season. Has pulled off some incredible saves throughout the season and definitely saved them some points. Um, but I had to be Ivan Provadel of Lazio, seventeen clean uh, sorry seventeen clean sheets in twenty nine games this season for Lazio. Uh, part of a very, very strong defence that has led them to a second-place finish in Champions League football for next season. So it was very close between all three, but he just edges it for me. Okay, okay. Now heading on to our defence and right-back. So heading back to Naeem for your uh, choice at right-back in La Liga. Yeah, I've gone for, well, he... Can play a left back, but he has been deployed as a right back this season. I've gone for Alejandro Balde of Barcelona. He's only 19 years old, and yeah, he's pretty much cementing that position down in one of the full back roles. Like I said, he can play left back, but obviously Jordi Alba's still there. But see, when he does move on, then yeah, they've got um, a player that can cover both positions. And yeah, he's um, also chipped in with one goal and six assists so far. So um, yeah, I've gone for him as my right back this season. Okay, so my choice of right back was, I think, for me, actually pretty easy. Um, I'd probably give honourable mention to Ben White, but for me, I'm giving it to Kieran Trippier. Um, I think that Newcastle, one of the stories of the season, you know, finishing Champions League for the first time in 20 years. Uh, Trippier's been a really big part of that, and I think he's been a big part of Newcastle's transformation, and he really... You know, look at Newcastle's money influence. He was the first guy to come in, and I think that he has just brought in Tremendous experience that team. He's really settled that back for. Um, and yeah, he, for me, I think was a standout choice. I think if Trent had performed the way he had the last month, the whole season, then it might be a different story. But you can't put Trent in there because he has had a really difficult season. But for me, Trippier stands alone. For me, actually, is one of the easiest choices in my whole starting eleven. Uh, I think he's been brilliant. One goal, seven assists in 38 games. Um, and I think that he it really is what he's 32 now. So, you know, he's probably only got, I'd say, maybe three years left at most in him. But I think what he's given to Newcastle these last year and a half has been outstanding. Um, Ryan, over to you for your right back. So, again, an honourable mention to uh, Giovanni Di Lorenzo of Napoli, part of obviously the title winning team this season. And he was very, very good. Once again, one of the best fullbacks in Italy. But I've gone with Stefan Poch of Bologna. Bash. Now, Bologna have been very good this season, finishing the top half, definitely overachieved. And Poch is one of them. He's chipped in with six goals, which is quite impressive for a fullback. He's actually their third highest goal scorer for the season. Uh, has a couple of assists to his name as well. But, you know, he's... He's actually not even a Bologna player. He's been on loan this season, but he's been one of their key players, both defensively and offensively, um, capable of playing centre-back as well. And again, he's one of the main reasons Bologna finished as high as they did. So, yeah, fairly easy decision. Okay. Now, centre-backs, we will give both our centre-backs at the same time. Um, so, Naeem, 
over to you for your two centre-backs. Yes, so I've gone for the first one is Eda Militao. Although Rumidja didn't um, maintain their, their title from last season, he has been a mainstay at the defence. He has put in, he's put, he's put in some crucial performances out of back this season. They only conceded 35 goals in the league. Um, I think it was like the second or third lowest in the league. So, yeah, he kept 10 clean sheets this season and he also provided five goals. So, one for Militao, my first one. And my second one is Jules Kunde. He um, has been a good signing so far this, se- this season for Barcelona. Um, obviously, part of the title winning defence. Only conceded 18 goals so far this season. And, yeah, he can also play at right back as well. So, yeah, I've gone for him as my centre-back. So, Militao and Kun- Jules Kunde of Barcelona as my two centre-back pairings. OK, um, over to my two centre-backs. Um I think one of them for me, I think his absence was a was a big crucial part of the season. William Saliba. Um, I thought he was for me the best centre back this season. Um, and you think of how much the defence improved compared to the last few years before he got his chance to start for Arsenal. Um, he's been absolutely outstanding, I think. I think that we all saw that first game of the season against Palace. Um, I think we all saw how good he was then and he really carried that on. And I think that I do believe that if he he wasn't injured Arsenal would have at least taken to the last day, if not won the whole thing. And I think that his absence was was really, really key in the end. Um, and I think that you look at the next few years, I think he provided, you know, he doesn't have a similar career to the likes of Wilshire or Aberdeen. I do think that this guy could go on to be one of the best centre-backs, certainly in the world, if not of his era. I think he's that good and that talented. I mean, three goals and one assist in all competitions, two of them coming in the Premier League in 27 games. For me, one of the best centre-backs this season. Uh, but alongside him, I think whilst he has had the worst of the two, so you think Saliba's had a better season, I do think this guy on his day is probably the best centre-back in the league. I've gone for Ruben Diaz of Man City. I think he's been a, a, just pretty much since he's come in. He's, he's been excellent for Man City. And I think that the way their season ended, uh, they were solid mostly at the back. And I think that even though I hate bringing in different tournaments to to a league team, but he's going to be potentially a main, uh, a, the main part of a City backline that potentially wins a treble. But Premier League alone, he's been outstanding. So yeah, Ruben Diaz is my other choice at centre back. Um, Ryan, I'm finally over to you for your two centre backs. Well, one was extremely easy. The best centre back in the league this season was Kim Min Jae of Napoli. Heavily linked with a move to Man United this summer as well. Hopefully that doesn't happen, but he has been not just the centre-back of the season, but the arguably the signing of the season as well. Um, just been an absolute monster at the back there for Napoli. And again, another major reason why they won the squad out of this season. But next to him, I've actually gone with Monza's Armando Izzo. Um <laughs> There were a few different candidates, actually, to be fair. Uh, Danilo of Juventus, formerly of Man City, has been very, very good this season for them, um, moving in from right back into centre-back. And, again, was, you know, fairly well-positioned there, to be honest. Didn't look out of place at all. But for for Izzo, um, in, in, in a Monza team that's massively you know, overachieved this season. Again, he's 
a main reason for that. Um, you know, it's their first season back in, in Serie A, you know, and to do as well as they have done, you've got to look at their defence. And, you know, he's 31, so he's a bit of a, a late bloomer, but definitely the best season of his career to date and averaging quite outstanding numbers. I mean, 2.9 tackles and 1.6 interceptions per game easily makes him one of the best centre-backs this season in the league. So, you know, fair play to him and he's in my team. OK, and now on to the final part of our of our um, defence, and that is left-back. So, Naeem, finally, who is your left-back in your team? My left-back is part of a team that has avoided relegation pretty much. I've gone for Valencia's Jose Luis Gaia. He's pretty much played most of the games for them. Been probably one of the best center, um, let sorry left backs in the league this season, so I've I've gone with him. Uh, one goal and three assists for him, also respectively. Okay, okay. Um, now next one for me is a guy for again. I mentioned Newcastle being one of the stories of the season. I mentioned that right back, left back is Brighton, and I've gone for Purvis Estupinen. Um, for me, I think that Brighton. I'm not just saying this because because I have been at the club, but in terms of just. The, the way they run their club, the way they find these players when they sell players for big money. You look at, they sold Trossard and they find a replacement in Enciso. You know, Matoma came in and, and and he's come out of nowhere and become really good, particularly you look at the first half of the season. Um, and going back to again, it's, it'll happen again with McAllister, they'll do it again with Saicedo if he leaves as well. But they lost Cucurella in the summer and they've brought in someone that, you know, actually turned out to be better than Cucurella uh, judging by this season alone. I mean, he joined for an undisclosed fee. Um, I can't find online how much it was, but it, I don't remember it being that much money. And he's come up with one goal, five assists in 35 games. I'm looking at the assist marks uh, for defenders and so, uh, only Trent, Robertson and Trippier have had more assists than Super in the season for fullback. And so that makes him, he's only the second most assist for left-back. Um, and I think that there are plenty of left-backs who've got, you know, Dan Burns, one that I thought about, look at Zinchenko for some of the season, you know, but I think overall, I think the story of Brighton, how good they've been and how team, you know, they lost their manager midway through the season. Well, no, really sort of two months into the season, they lost him um, and to come in and look better. I think Zabi deserves a, a hell of a job. And I think this table, we will also give our managers of the season as well at the end of each league. Um, but I think, for stupid for Superman, he's looked brilliant, and you know he's part of the Villarreal team last season that played Liverpool in the Champions League semi final, and I think that he's been absolutely fantastic, and it just, just makes you wonder how some teams, you know, we're going on to worst team this season next week. But you look at the Gazan team, looking at Mikhailo Mudrik and looking at Anthony and all these players. You now they're missing out on people like Stupinen and all these players that Brighton have found. So yeah, for me, left back was another fairly easy choice in Stupinen. Um, Ryan, uh, so yeah, Ryan, over to you for your left back. Um, oh, I've been Tio Hernandez of Milan. For me, the best left back in European football at the moment has just been a sensation really since Milan bought him and once again has been vital to them being so high in the league once more really um not much more to add he adds everything to the game you know goals assists he's so so quick and 
you know, defensively as well, always there. So there weren't really many outstanding candidates for the left-back position. Maybe Mario Rui of Napoli again, but, you know, I didn't just want to put Napoli players in there just for the sake of them winning the title. I wanted to put players that genuinely deserved it. And for me, just like last season, I think he definitely deserves a place in the team of the season. Okay, okay. I mean, um, I, I mean, I'd say I can't really argue with the left back choice being the best in the world. But I, you look at Fonte Davis and Andy Robertson as well. I think for me, these are the three outstanding candidates at left back. I probably have missed someone out there, I've forgotten about. But um, Theo Hernandez, I think he scored a hell of a goal, didn't he, recently as well um, in the league. So yeah, that he's. Certainly one that I've always watched and, and liked and liked watching. Um, so in terms of the rest of our teams, because they've got different formations, what I'm going to do, I'll let Naim and myself, we'll give our three midfield when we get our leagues. Ryan can give us two, and then Ryan can give then his um, three of his 4 two, 3 one We can give our front three, and then Ryan can give his striker afterwards. So that's how we're going to run the rest of our of our formations. Um, so, Naim, let's hear your midfield three. Yes, yeah, so my first one is part of Barcelona's title winning team. So I've gone for Pedri. Um, he played a lot, way more games than he did, more than double the amount of games he played last season. He was did suffer quite a lot of injuries last season and didn't feature much. Well, obviously this season he has played more than half the games for them and been a crucial part of that midfield uh, Barcelona have. And he, in terms of output, six goals and one assist um, to that. The second... Midfielder I've gone for is Real Sociedad's Mikel Marino. He's part of a team that's gotten top four for the first time in 10 years. Um, he's also contributed two goals and nine assists. So, yeah, I've gone for him as my second midfielder. And my last one, I've gone for Federico Valverde. Although he can also play on off the wing, he can play in that midfield role, more of like an attacking midfielder. He, um, he's been one of the mainstays in the midfield since Casemiro left, taking his place pretty much. Um, and also his output, he had, he had contributed seven goals and four assists. So, yeah, that is my midfield three, um, all in the top four, the midfielders, teams that finished in the top four. Okay. Um, yeah, Valverde, for me, whenever I watch him play, he's just fantastic. And he, I know we had the whole personal, like, off-the-field stuff recently with one of the players, but purely on the field, stuff I mean he, his production on the pitch is fantastic and for me I don't think there's many better players in his position at his age as well He he's he's absolutely fantastic so yeah that is not bad shout there um, so my midfield three um, all come from the top two teams um, I've gone for midfield three of Rodri Kevin De Bruyne and Martin Udegaard Rodri for me has established himself for me definitely the last year and a half two years as best DM in the league you could say arguably the world as well. I mean, to get two goals and six assists uh, from midfield, that's actually a down year for him in terms of goals. He got seven goals last year and some crucial ones at that. And his performances, I know it's a different competition, but his new is a bond against Madrid were fantastic. He, for me, has been one of their best players this season. And it's, you know, it, I remember he started off his first year not very great, but he isn't the first city player to do that under Pep. Jack Reed is, is the same thing. He's look how he's playing now. But Rodri for me, yeah, I think he has to go in this team somewhere. As does Kevin De Bruyne. Um, again, looking at the stats, 
Goals wise, downturn, but assist wise, massive upturn. Last year, he got 15 goals, eight assists. This year, seven goals, 16 assists. Best player in the league for me, best midfielder in the world. And for a team that's done so well the last two months, he's been a big part of that. And that's why he has to go in his team. And then finally, I think the easiest choice of the three is Martin Udegaard. Um, captain aside, that almost won the league. Uh, I have to credit Ryan for the stat. The most goals, the most non-penalty goals from a midfielder in Premier League history. 15 goals and seven assists. He scored some really important goals at some crucial times. Looking at the Tottenham game, he scored a big goal. And yeah, he has been... I remember when he... Everyone knew about him when he was 15. And when he Before he retired from Madrid. Had a few years off. But when the last year and a half, or this season especially, he's shown exactly why he had all the hype around him all those years ago. And I think that whilst I don't think he is a captain in terms of for how he in terms of he's not like a Roy Keane where he just shouts at everyone. I think he's one that leads by example, both as a personality as well as on the pitch. And yeah, he for me is an easy choice in this midfield. And I think that for me, I'd probably have him as the second or third best player in the whole league this season. And I think it's an obvious choice he's number one. Um Ryan, so who was your two? In your in your midfield for um, Syria. So, the first one again, I believe, was in my team of the season last year. That's Sergei Milinkovic Savage. Now, this is someone who is seemingly getting better and better every single season. One of the best midfielders in Italy, one of the most underrated in Europe, in my opinion, and. Wherever he is next season, whether that's Lazio, whether that's the Premier League, whether that's Milan, he will he will still perform so so well. His numbers once again this season have just been outstanding for Lazio. A key reason why, again, they finished as high as they have done. Um, I mean, you look at his appearances. Look, every single season he's averaging sort of more than thirty games in the league. And this season he had nine goals and eight assists, which is really impressive considering he's not like a number 10. He's not an attacking midfielder. He's more of a box-to-box. And again, you know, last season, well, he scored more goals last season. This season, he only scored less, mainly because of the players around him. Uh, Matea Zagani, he got 10 goals off the wing and... That's why Milinkovic Savage's assists were a little bit more this season. But all credit to him because he's just been absolutely superb. And next to him, this was more of a, a toss-up really between um, Adrian Rabio of Juventus, who I think has been very impressive this year and uh, looks like we'll see him at Man United next season. But I went with Lorenzo Pellegrini of Roma because, once again, he's just been brilliant for them. Someone who I rate extremely highly his numbers don't scream out sort of off the screen he's only got four goals and five assists this season for Roma um, but he does so much work off the ball as well as on it and his presence just in midfield is first class in my opinion so again it wasn't the end to Roma season that they would have hoped for in terms of the league but they could very much still end it with a Europa League which I think would be thoroughly deserved and at 26, he's still arguably got his best seasons ahead of him. So, yeah, they are more two midfield choices. And, of course, at the time of recording, that is um, in Zakir Day, 
and half an hour's time in the Europa League final um, between um, Roma and Sevilla. Uh, but I don't know whether when this podcast is released, whether this game may have been done or not. Um, but yeah, that should be a cracking, cracking final. Um, I want to ask you, Ryan, actually, before we do head to a quick break, I feel like the last, if last maybe three or four years, every summer or every January, I'm seeing Malikovic Savage always linked to move to this club, to that club. But I never see him even close to moving. So why do you think that is? Why do you think that we haven't yet seen Malikovic Savage make that move? Because if, unless, unless I'm wrong, he's not young. He's I want to say he's at least mid-20s. Um, so why do you think he's not made that, that big move yet? I mean, well, he's 28. Um, I think he's got a, a lot of affinity for Lazio. He's been there a fair while, to be fair. And they've wanted a lot of money for him. Every single summer he gets linked with a move away. But I believe this summer he'll only have a year left on his contract. So they're in a position where they've almost got to sell him. Um, I mean, he's being linked to quite a lot of clubs I think Liverpool being linked to him Newcastle um, Milan I think Milan is probably the biggest one at the moment in terms of how far along they are with him uh, I think that would be a great move for him as well in that midfield alongside Sandro Tonali but if Liverpool could get him it would be an incredible bit of business I think it would be one of the signs of the summer if they can do it but again it depends on what Lazio may ask for him. It's reported somewhere between 20 to 30 million. I think that would be an absolute steal. I'd love Arsenal to get him, but I don't know. I mean, another club that I've been linked with him. So I think we will definitely see him move this summer. But to where is anyone's guess? Okay, um, we are going to head to a quick break. When you come back, we're going to complete with our best teams of the season. See you guys in a moment. We interrupt the episode uh, this time to be joined with Jonathan, who of course couldn't make the original recording, but he is here uh, very early in the morning over in the States uh, to give us his Bundesliga uh, team of the season. So first of all, Jonathan, uh, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah, got nothing to complain about today, really. So all good. Yeah, good. I mean, it's um, certainly in the UK. I mean, actually, today's been a bit rubbish again, but it's been since we've come back. It's certainly been lovely weather, and I'm sure over where you are, it's just been even nicer. Yeah, yeah, sunny uh, every day out here, and we had a nice long winter with a lot of rain, which we really needed. So, yeah, it was very good. Okay. Um, before we do go on to the team of the season, just how crazy was that final day and the collapse from Dortmund to let Bayern win the league and Bayern's late goal? I mean, how crazy was that sort of final day for you watching? You know, in a way, I still can't believe it. I really thought that this was going to be the year finally, you know, we would all see Dortmund cross that line. But in the back of my mind heading into that final match day, I always thought, you know, at the same time, this is still Dortmund. This is the team we've seen collapse over and over again over the last decade and not be able to finish the job when they had the chance. And um, this is, of course, what would happen again. And Bayern took advantage. It was an unbelievable Musiala goal. 
um, in the 87th, 88th minute, whenever it was. And Dortmund met their fate yet again. And hopefully this isn't um, the last time they get a chance like this over the next couple of years. I'm really worried that Bayern with new management or their old management coming back into the fold this summer are going to get back to Bayern ways. And it could be a while before we see uh, as close of a championship race as we saw this season. And I think I've seen the um, I think it was Oliver Kahn who got who lost his job recently. Someone lost their job recently. Um, by a new club that will always, you know, always do what he can to win, and that's why I respect them in, in a way because they they are a really well run club. They'll know they don't take any messing basically, and I think that is why they've won the league ten years straight. Um, but yeah, before you give us a team, what formation are you employing for your team in the season? I'm gonna go with a four four two here, just just nice and simple. I've got a Two strikers I couldn't leave out of the side, so I'm going to go with that. And we will, of course, ask you at the end as well, like we have with everyone else in this episode, for your manager of the season as well. So, goalkeeper-wise, uh, who's between the sticks? I have to go with Gregor Kobel. Um, I think he'll be in most team of the seasons as well, but really, really stepped up for Dortmund this season. Had a few injury problems here and there, um, but was so, so consistent throughout the season. And... When Dortmund fell apart at the back, which they did often through Nicolas Sule mistakes or Mats Hummel's mistakes, you know he's definitely getting up there and, and isn't as quick as he once was. Gregor Kobel would come in and save the day. Um, he had some some great Champions League appearances as well, so I'm going to have to put him into my side. Okay, moving on to your defense uh, and your right back. Right back is going to be Jeremy Frimpong. I know he's sort of more of nearly a right winger at this point, which is kind of hilarious that, you know, he's still considered a, a defender, for example, in fantasy, but um, yeah, he was just so, so good on the right side, working with Musa Diaby all season long. And then moving on to your two centre-backs. My first centre-back is going to be Matthias Ginter from Freiburg. Didn't miss a game all season, was rock solid, um, an incredible first year there. And then my other one is Robin Knocka. Needed a Union Berlin player in the side, um, and he's been so good for the last couple of years, and you know, so many clean sheets there. Union uh, Berlin, I mean, that's to, to interrupt you there. I mean, it's some story they've had. I mean, I watched a video on Twitter where it went through their story of the last few years, and you know, to be, I can't think how long ago, there was a time period where they weren't even in the Bundesliga, and then this was in it with it. I think 2019 they got. Was it for the first time ever promoted to the to the first division, and then now they're playing Champions League for what I believe is their first time. I mean, just how good of achievement has that been, and is that for you the story of the, of the season in, in the Bundesliga? Yeah, of course. I mean, they were in the the Oberliga, which was the fourth tier of German football when they were in it back in two thousand six. So it's only taken them seventeen years to go from the fourth tier to the Champions League, um, unheard of. And then, yeah, back in 2019, that was their first time getting promotion to the first division. And, you know, so many people thought that, oh, you know, this is the, the quote, quote, small club from Berlin. They're going to get immediately relegated and, and head back down and start this whole cycle again. But um, stability and, and all these misfits of players that have combined to create this incredible team, um, I just... It's unbelievable. Yeah, it is quite something. And then uh, I can only assume not be in the bottom part. So we, I don't know how long that story will last. But 
of course, as you were telling me just then, no one thought they'd even make it out of the sort of without getting relegated and look what they've done. So I think that Sydney team to look out for. I think you look at dark horses of the tournament, I think that'll be a dark horse. I don't think to win it, I think that's far too unrealistic. But I think as a team to get out of the group stage, I think that they could be one that could surprise people. But of course, it all depends on the groups. And you know, they, they could be one of those teams that get the you know the draw, which has like I don't know Inter Milan and Bayern Munich, or like a, what could be this year it could be an Arsenal and Barcelona or Madrid and Madrid and Newcastle yeah. or something like that. So I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how they where they who they um, get drawn against in the uh, group stage. Yeah, no, I, I mean I think. Union fans would absolutely love it if they got they got drawn against teams like I don't know Arsenal and and Real Madrid or something like that. Um, there, there's no one that loves a good away day than Union fans, and for them to say that oh we played these giants of Europe, they would absolutely love it. Yeah, it's a good point you make because I actually on the weekend met a uh, I say met I've seen him met before, but I only found out like I met him on the weekend that he was an Aberdeen fan and going for like forty years and you know. The mindset he has, obviously, compared to the likes of me, Ryan and I, in terms of going to get his best to win. But for him, it's all about the experience. Like you're saying with Berlin fans there, and I think that he was saying that he went in the 80s, or 80s, he went to watch them play Atletico Madrid away, Bayern Munich away. Um, and he played, I think Bayern Munich was actually in the 2000s. But I think for those fans, they know they're never going to win it. But I think to have those days out where you get to go to these great stadiums, they could be going to the Bernabeu, they could be going to the new camp, or well, not the new camp, it's been redone, but they could be going to some iconic stadiums and I think that that will almost be a victory in itself for the fans. I think they'll go into it with no real expectation and I think that's why, again, it could be a dark horse for, for that reason. Uh, moving on to your left back, uh, who is that choice for you, Jonathan? This was difficult because I thought Alfonso Davies had a really good season, but I'm going to go with Rafael Guerrero from, from Dortmund. Um... He even played a lot of midfield this season too, and Edin Terzic tried him out in a lot of different positions. And he was extremely versatile. I thought he had a great, great season. And um, this is his last year at BVB. He's rumored to clubs such as Atletico Madrid and, and Bayern as well. It'll be interesting to see where he ends up because he's, I think he's a world class left back, and uh, he's available on a free transfer, which is huge for for a lot of clubs. So. Uh, I'm going to have to go with him. A quick shout-out, though. I, I nearly thought about putting Union's Josip Juranovic, who actually came in in the winter from Celtic. He was so, so good. He's more of a right-back than a left-back, but um, I went with Guerrero instead. And of course, he almost scored the goal that was part of a great comeback for Dortmund, but sadly not to be. Um, so moving on to your midfield in your 4-4-2, um, who is at right mid and who's at left mid? Um, out on the right is going to be Ulian Brandt um, from Dortmund as well. This was his best season that I've seen in the black and yellow this year. Uh, was so creative, and when they needed a winger to be consistent up front, he was their guy. Daniel Malin had a difficult start to the season. Kareem Adeyemi was off and on. Uh, but surprisingly, Ulian Brandt, who many people thought was, was going to go to Arsenal maybe last summer, or somewhere else out of the club, as he was never really able to find his place after his move from Leverkusen, but he had a great season this year. Brilliant. I mean, yeah, that's, um, I think there's a lot of Dortmund players here, and I think it goes to show just how good of a season they had. But um, yeah, who's the left mid? I'm going to go with Christopher Nkunku. He got injured for quite a long time in the second half of the season. He still um, 
tied at the top as the top goal scorer with 16 goals in the league. I mean, every time he stepped on the pitch, he was just phenomenal for, for Leipzig, who had a great comeback to the season and then finished in third. A little concerned about him going to Chelsea. So many people on that squad, but, um, you know, I'm also not a fan of Leipzig as well. So, um, <laughs> you know, we'll see if he can make it there, but I'm not entirely sure with, with how Chelsea is being run nowadays. I mean, yeah, I don't know what he was thinking when. I, I don't think. I don't think what what he'd be thinking after making the move, seeing how bad Chelsea's second half of the season was. It's um, interesting to see. I think he'll slot straight in because I think that they are needing a goal scorer, and I think that if Jao Felix isn't coming back now, he's the Pochettino is not going to um, sign on a permanent deal. Um, Havertz has proved that he can't really be relied on for a full season. But on the flip side, of course, he didn't sign. Um, and Cuckoo, it was uh, Graham Potter. So it's a question of, is he someone Pochettino wants? And I think that that could be an issue for him in terms of, is he going to go into a team where he isn't going to be wanted by the manager? And I think it, that becomes a tremendous uh, sort of jeopardy that comes into place. I mean, looking at the thing, I mean, there's been six players that scored more goals than him in, in the Premier League. And of course, um, he'd be... Obviously, he'd be, he'd be by far the top scorer for Chelsea. But does that worry you at all for him, the fact that he is going to a club where he isn't going to manage that assigned him? Definitely. I mean, the transfer, gosh, it was announced so, so long ago. I'm pretty sure it was all the way back in 2022 mm-hmm. um, that it was, you know, not officially announced, but that, you know, everybody sort of knew that it was official. Um yeah, there are just so many players in in his position as well. So many right-footed wingers. He should be ahead of all of them because he's you know proven himself as a top-level player, especially you know compared to someone like Mudrik or Raheem Sterling, who's now sort of fallen off in this last year since his move. But it does concern me a little bit because if he does drop out of form over a couple of games here and there, they're going to put you know, another winger ahead of him, and then it'll be hard to get back into the squad from then. So uh, there's not a lot of room for error, per se. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what Chelsea do, first of all, what Pochettino does to this Chelsea team that's brought so many players in recent in recent times, but what will happen with, with Nkuku. Um, now, moving on to your midfield, the rest of it, um, and to your centre midfield. Yes, and my pair in the center of my midfield, I have Jude Bellingham and Joshua Kimmich. I think a lot of people will choose Bellingham as their player of the year for the Bundesliga. Um, he, you know, BVB wore him to pieces every single game, every single competition. He was nearly a must start. And um, I sort of, in a way, hope he goes to Real Madrid just for his career sake. Because I think he's still 19. Um, at, at that age, you can't be playing as many games in as many minutes as he's playing at the moment. I think in that Madrid midfield with Cruz, Modric, Chukomeni, um, Camavinga, you know, Valverde, and they've got so many options in there. He's going to get some time to grow, to learn, and just to rest a little bit and take a bit of a break and not have to be, you know, the man for for 90 minutes a couple of times a week and i think that will be good for him um of course a loss for the bundesliga but a win for him and then joshua joshua kimmich um sort of the the mainstay at bayern throughout the entire season he moved positions a little bit into a more advanced role and i think he played 
even better in the second half of the season and as the future captain of the club. And I needed at least one Bayern, Bayern player on my side. So there you go. He's my player. Okay. Um, which means your front two will be who? My front two is going to be Randall Kolomwani from Frankfurt and Nicholas Fulkrug from Werder Bremen. Kolomwani in his first season came in on a free uh, from the French league and just crazy year, 15 goals and 11 assists just in league play for number nine. That many assists is, is pretty crazy. And then Nicholas Fulkrug tied with Nkunku in the goal scoring chart. Um, you know, the big reason for why Werder Bremen were able to stay up this season. Now a mainstay on the German national team as well. Um, sort of surprising that both of these strikers, if you had told me before the season started, I wouldn't have believed that either of these two would be in a team of the season. But um, here we are. It just shows how incredibly good Robert Lewandowski is because no one could fill the hole that he left this season. He scored four, 40-odd goals last year and... Now we're talking about a couple of players tied at the top with 16 goals each. So a pretty, pretty rough drop off. But um, yeah, it's nice to see players from from some mid-table or some lower table clubs get into here instead of a, a Bayern player per usual. Yeah, but I think it's always good. I mean, this this team is very heavily dormant, but I think to have people from like Freiburg and Bremen and Union Berlin, I think it's... Um, it's good for the uh, overall team. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, we will, in a minute, head back to the rest of the episode. But in the meantime, uh, thank you, Jonathan, for coming on for your Bundesliga team of the season. No problem. And then one last thing, my, my manager of the season, oh, I'm going to yeah, give apologies. you... Yeah. <laughs> no worries. I'm going to give you Urs Fischer from Union Berlin. I mean, fourth place Champions League finish for Union. Um, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it's a fantastic achievement and he's done such a good job there. Um, hopefully they can continue it next season. But yeah, second take, we will we will <laughs> say goodbye to you now, Jonathan. Um, yeah, in, in the meantime, looking forward to the, I know the podcast will be released after the game's done, but are you, are you watching and so looking forward to the um, Europa League final tonight? Yes, I'm going to probably have to watch it on record uh, as I won't be able to make the game, but um, yes, very looking forward to that, and I've got a feeling Jose will will put another another trophy in the closet. So, yeah, I agree. I think my my main reason for Roma is just because I've seen Sevilla win loads of European t- trophies, but also Genie uh, Wan plays for Roma, so I'm very much in that camp. But at the end of the day. I, I wouldn't care that much if they lost. Do you know what I mean? Um, I think I'll care more about the Champions League yeah. and Europa Conference League finals, if I'm honest. So, um, yeah, looking forward to those. But, yeah, tonight should be a good game as the final expert takes on the Europa League final expert. Should be, I reckon, it'll be a really, like, a real bad game. But I think it'll still be interesting and fascinating regardless. Yeah, it sounds like a 1-1 one, one draw and, and mm-hmm. sorted out in penalties yeah. type of game. I, I can agree more. I think it'll be a game with not much sort of skill. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> like the bar they might bring on the show, but I think with how Sydney Hammerino likes to play, uh, I can't see it being that kind of game really. So, um, but, but either way, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Great stuff. So let's head back to the rest of the episode with myself, Ryan and Naeem. And welcome back to the podcast episode. So as you know, we've already given our back for our goalkeeper, 
I've gone for 4-2-3, as has Naeem. Ryan's gone for 4-2-3-1. So I've given, as has Naeem, our midfield three. And Ryan's given his, his two in his in his 4-2-3-1. So over to you, Naeem, to finish off your team. So who is in your front three? Right, so for my right winger, I have gone for Antoine Griezmann. He's obviously gotten back to his best by Athletic Pro Madrid this season. Um, he's had a few bad seasons in the last couple of seasons. But this season... He has been part of the squad that has can can still finish second, but nonetheless could finish third. But he has also provided 15 goals and 15 assists um, for Atletico Madrid, which equates to just less than half of the goals they scored this season. So yeah, he's contributed quite well this season. And yeah, um, back to his best. So I've gone for him as my right winger. Left winger on the Opposite side is another player from a Madrid team, this time Real Madrid. I've gone for Vinicius Jr. He's arguably been the best winger in um the best sorry left winger in the Liga so far this season. Um although although his output wasn't the same as last season when they won the league, he's just getting better and better each year, Vinicius Jr. And although he, he didn't get the same same sort of stats, he still still managed 10 goals and nine assists. So I've gone for him as my left winger. And up front, um, I've gone for this season's top goal scorer, Robert Lewandowski. First time in the Spanish league after 12 seasons in the Bundesliga. And yeah, he, his goal return was pretty good for Barcelona this season, in his debut season. He got 23 goals and seven assists, um, which is which is not, not a bad not bad output for someone of his age. So yeah, I've gone for that as my front three. Okay, so no Kareem Benzema this year then? Nah, he um he was honourable mention, but yeah, Lewandowski um purely because obviously his first season in in this league, Benjamin's been in the league for more than ten seasons now. Um, yeah, and he's part and he contributed to them winning the league. So yeah, I think it was a good investment then bringing him over. Yeah, I mean he's been one of the best number nines for years, and you know I think the he sounds like he hit the hit the ground running straight away. Um, so yeah, that's. Not really a bad shout, to be honest. Um, now to my fun three. Now my, I'll get out of the way. Of you know, it's obviously it's going to be Haaland up front. Um, it, it's obviously it's a shame not to get Harry Kane in here because he has scored a lot of goals this year. Going to bring up the stats now. He has got, I believe, it's thirty goals, um, this season. I'll just quickly check that. Um, so in total in the league, in the games he's played. The adverts are getting in the way, but um, so yeah, 38 games, 30 goals, three assists, um, and Tottenham still finish eight, which is quite a, a something. Um, but for me, yeah, it's a shame not to good him. But Erling Haaland, you know, he has to go near, he's my pick for player of the season. I think that he's already won Football Writers Player of the Year. I don't know when PFA Player of the Year awards are done this year because they normally do them with a few games left, and he's not even, I've not even seen him announced yet, apart from the Premier League's version. Uh, but yeah, 36 goals in 35 games in the league. He has been everything that everyone thought he was going to be, and more probably. Um, so he's an obvious choice for that as striker. Um, now the right wing, I do feel may cause a bit of outrage in this podcast. So I'll keep that to last. Uh, my left wing is Martinelli of Arsenal. Um, you know, been a fantastic season for him, his best season by far. In the Premier League, I mean, he had he showed signs for years ago, 
I seen him actually on the podcast. Me and Ryan were thinking, uh, Ryan especially was thinking, what he done not to be getting games, but he's got his chance to start. Fifteen goals, five assists. He's been one of the best players this season, and I think there's really no be no one else I could I can really think of that could have gone left wing. I mean, I could have somehow find a way to get Kane and Harland in there, maybe done four one two one two or something. But um, I feel like you can't ignore what Martinelli's done, and he's been a real integral part integral part to um, this Arsenal team. And then right wing. Um, now my honourable mention is Bukayo Saka. Um, now I know we're thinking, who's right wing? It's Mohamed Salah. Um, and I'm expecting a lot of listeners to think I'm being absolutely biased as hell here. But quite frankly, quite frankly, the sort of the reality is that Salah in the league this season has scored 19 goals and got 12 assists, whereas. Kaio Saka, um, in his Premier League season, the season he has got 14 goals, 11 assists. So Salah has more assists and more goals. And I think that whilst I, I get Saka has been part of a really good team this year, I do think Salah's been the one outstanding player, outfield player for Liverpool, and he's scored some great goals. But yeah, I feel like Saka is probably the most harshest, harshly treated player not to be included in this list. I mean. Ryan and Naeem, I mean, your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I feel like it's going to get a lot of hate from Arsenal fans who listen to this podcast, but uh, what, what do you boys think about that? My choice put Salah at white wing. Well, yeah, I would be very much prepared for an onslaught of abuse on Twitter, to be honest with you, because <laughs> I think it's, um, it's extremely harsh. I understand your reasoning to an extent in terms of goals and assists that Salah has scored, but I think We've almost become used to that. At the end of the day, Salah's done this now for two or three or four seasons. Saka was very good last season, but this season he's taken that to another level and it's everything he brings to our team, not just the goals and assists as well, but the work rate on and off the ball. And I just think when you look at the fact that Saka is nowhere near his peak, he's outperformed his stats this season, in my opinion, and yeah, I, 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 I couldn't leave him out of mind personally. I mean, do you think there's an element of that? It is I, I don't want to be. I, I feel bad bringing this up because I know I hate it when people mention the Gerald incident. But um, there was that moment penalty missed against West Ham. I mean, that proved to be massively crucial. Um, you know, whereas you look at Saka, sorry, Salah over the years, you know, he's always scoring goals in important games, but. If I'm honest, I, I could be completely wrong here and I'm, I'm ready to be corrected, but I don't recall Sa- uh, Saka scoring in that many big games. I don't think he... I could be completely wrong here. You guys, feel free to be yeah. wrong. Yeah, he scored. Yeah, I mean, he only scored a, a banger from outside of the area against Man United. I think that's the big Scored the well, he scored the last goal against you guys at the Emirates to make it three two. Scored the penalty, so yeah, he's contributed quite a lot this season. Um, I think it's a bit harsh that he's not in the team, but obviously you've got your reasoning. Um, I don't know, obviously expect them, but yeah, he's been he's probably been one of our best players, so top three players this season. So got Salibas in there. Um, yeah, he's contributed quite a lot to us this season because we have relied on him quite a lot over the last couple of years and. Yeah, he's like Ryan said, he's just getting better and better and he's yeah, still at such a young age. So and he's just signed a new deal. So yeah, we can we'll see what he does next season. But yeah, I think it's probably been one one of the best right wingers in the season 
in the Premier League this season. I think it's, it's also worth noting as well that, you know, I mentioned, mentioned it obviously to you two whilst he was away, but he's, uh, when you bring into the last game of the season, he's now played in 80 consecutive Premier League games, hmm. which is the most out of any player currently in the Premier League, which I think just shows the level of consistency that he's we've seen from him now for the last two or three seasons and how important he's been to the progression that we've made. But and to be honest, I nearly fell off my seat there here annoying actually praising Arsenal player for a change. Yeah. Hey. I was gonna say this in Thailand, I swear you were very critical of Saka. Is that, is that right, Ryan? I'm sure he was very critical of Saka. I mean, we, we, we can't expect a lot from a league gunner support, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No slander on here, please. I actually follow league gunner now on Instagram. I've, um, I have I do like his content, so I'm in the ice boat on that one. That's a league bar. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're yeah, mentioning consistency, yeah. I mean, Salah has been the figure of that for years. I mean, 44 goals, 27 goals, 23, 31, 31 and 30. And this is a season where everyone's saying it's his worst season for the club and he's still got 30 goals. Um, so I think that if we're going on that point of view, I think Salah is by far worthy contender because he has been the figure of consistency and he has been the one player that's mostly turned up every year. I mean, his lowest po- goals tally in Premier League history combined with the ni- amazing in the 1920 season. Um, but... Yeah, I, I, I do think that, for me, I still think Salah is, is, is the worthy vote. Mm. Sorry, no, were you saying something now? I feel like I interrupted you. you mean, no, no, no I, wasn't, I wasn't saying anything. Like I said, yeah, you got, you're good enough reasoned, um, but yeah, I think Saka just edges it this season. Salah's always been consistent for you, even when you have not been performing well, so, yeah. He, he, this season, he broke records. I mean, he became the... The highest Premier League goal scorer in Liverpool history overtook Stephen Gerrard, or was it Fowler? And he's become, he's now, I think, in the top five of all time scorers in Liverpool history, uh, not even including just the Premier League. So it's, um, yeah, certainly been, I, I think, I think for the men that he bought him for and how good he's been, I think by far in our probably the top three transfers I've seen in my lifetime being a fan. I mean, you look, look at Vibe for many, Robertson's got to be there for 8.5 million. You look at the likes of swap signing Suarez and Torres. I think he's got to be up there. I think he's definitely a Liverpool legend, first of all. And I think for me, I, I think right now, as an out and out right winger, I think I'd have Salah above anyone in Premier League history, to be honest. You look at on if I if I had a fun three of my all time Premier League eleven, it would be Salah, uh, Henri, and probably either, it would have now the left wing or put Henri left wing Pachir up front. But um, we are slightly. What's the word on on a, on a tangent there? So we're going to head back to Ryan. Um, if you can give me your three and also your one in your four two three one. So it's four players there. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I've actually um, mis misinformed you of my formation because it is in fact um, a four two two two, um, basically four forwards, but two of them are are wingers. But we'll go with the first one on the right-hand side, and that is Bully Diaya um, of Salernitana. Now, bear with me one moment, because he originally wasn't in my team of the season, but when I've looked at his stats and when I've actually watched a few more of his highlights, I've seen a little bit of him this season, don't get me wrong, but 
watching a little bit more of him for me shows how incredible he's been this season for a team languishing towards the bottom of Serie A. Obviously, Salernitana, they're always sort of, you know, near near the bottom after they gain promotion. But this is someone who's got 16 goals this season. He's the third highest goal scorer in Serie A. And he also has six assists to his name. You know, 22 goal contributions and 27 starts is quite frankly incredible um, for a player playing for a team not, you know, blessed with quality in their other attacking areas. So I feel like he had to go there. I think honourable mentions as well on that right-hand side, maybe go to Adam Ola-Lukman for Atalanta, who started the season off in, you know, some vein of form. He ended up with 13 goals and five assists, so a very good season as well for him in Serie A. But, yeah, he edges it on the right-hand side. In terms of the left-hand side, I think there was only one realistic winner for me, as Kavicha Kavara-Cheskilia, just been the sign. He has been the sign of the season, one hundred percent. It was between him and Kim Min Jae, both of Napoli. But he's just been an absolute revelation this season. His numbers have dried up a little bit towards the end of the season. Um, it was sort of really when Napoli went out of the Champions League to Milan that his goals and assists have dropped off. Though, but I mean, twenty-two goal contributions and twenty-nine starts this season and his debut season for Napoli is just sensational it's not just his numbers it's the level of goals that he scored you know you look at his highlight reel on YouTube and it's just littered with unbelievable goals here and there and the same for his assist as well but the skill that the lad has is insane and hopefully uh, we see it again next season uh, and I'm sure we will but the two strikers were fairly easy decisions uh, Victor Rossim Hen top goal scorer this season, um, breaking records in Serie A. Um, he broke the record this season for the most goals in a season by an African player, beating George Weyer. You know, that on its own is, is is worthy of contention to be in here. But, you know, 25 goals and, and four assists in 29 starts, you know, that's an average of a, go- of a goal every game. You know, that's up there with the very best in the world. So... Without a doubt, he's there. And his partner is Lataro Martinez of Inter. Again, just been so, so consistent this season for Inter. Not just in the league, but obviously in the Champions League as well. And hopefully gets a few goals in uh, a week or two's time when they take on Man City. But yeah, second top goal scorer again this season. 21 goals, six assists. So not far, actually. Only a couple of goals off um, Victor Osimhen's in terms of um, you know all goals including assists but yeah I again can't can't leave them out both of them have been just so so good uh, Rafael Liao again an honourable mention for Milan really picked up his form this season it's, it's difficult for him because he sometimes plays off the left as well so you, you know you never know really where to where to put him. I think Chiro Immobile has been ever that consistent as he always is this season. One of the uh, most underrated strikers in Europe. Only got 12 goals in uh, in 26 starts this season, but I think injuries have played his part. And he's getting on a bit now. He's 33, so we're going to see a little bit of a, of a decline. But yeah, they're, they're my front four. 
Okay, so before we do end the podcast, we will go through our managers of the season. So, uh, back to you, Naeem. Who is going to be the manager of your La Liga team of the season? Um, yeah, it's got to be Xavi. Um, what he's done this season at Barcelona, you know, the records that they've broken, obviously, Stegen with the clean sheet records, um, conceding only 18 goals this season. They obviously fell off a little bit near the end of the season, but it's, that is kind of to be expected when a team has won the league, you know, once they've secured it, drop, the performance to drop off. But yeah, he's been the best manager so far this season, and yeah, they des- they deserve a title winner. So yeah, my manager of the season's definitely got to be Javi. Okay, um, for me, I think there's definitely a few contenders. Roberto De Zabi deserves a great, um, great um, sort of mention because he has been what he's done for the team. I mentioned before, but it's when I mentioned Stupian that they lose their manager mid-season and they go out and look better when he came in. Um, Unai Emery deserves a great mention. He took Villa from, I think it was 17th to 6th. Pep deserves a really, you know, um, big mention because he, um, you know, he's potentially taking his team to a treble and the way they ended the season was fantastic. But looking at Premier League team of the season, he's done what everyone thought he was going to do and win the league. So I can't put him as my manager of the season. Um, if he'd won the league, it would have been by far Arteta. Uh, but I do worry about the end of the season collapse. So for me, my manager of the season is Eddie Howe. I think that, you know, I did a podcast uh, for a former podcast I used to do called a Hair Dry Treatment Podcast, where I had Newcastle finishing fifth, but I don't think anyone had Newcastle finishing top four. Um, and I think that what he's done, getting to their first final since the 60s, uh, obviously they lost to Man U, but to get them to a final, to get them top four, and to get top four, really, with, I think, it's two games to spare. So, I think, for me, the job he's done has been brilliant. And I know everyone I've mentioned many, but really, they've only bought, I want to say, two or three players with big money, big fees. Um, you know, you look at, you know, they could have easily, all the talk was, oh, they're going to get Neymar, they're going to get Mbappe, they're going to get this player, that player. But they've really only bought, I could think of, Grimares, Trippier and Isaac with that money. Um, oh, and maybe Sven Botman, who actually is honourable mention my centre-back position. But um, the job he's done is absolutely fantastic. And I think that he, for me, is my choice as manager of the season. Um, now, for you, Ryan, I think we can all guess who's going to be, or maybe I'm going to be surprised who your manager of the season is. No, it is Luciano Spalletti, Napoli. Can't, can't go for anyone else. It's impossible. He's just been... Absolutely world class this season. Re energised this Napoli team. You know, it was at the start of the season where I really, you know, I believe I actually had them down as I can't remember if it was a disaster of the season. Either way, I I, I felt that they were going to be, you know, much, much lower down the, the table than they, they finished because they lost a lot of players at, at the start of the summer. It was a big change in the squad, but fair play to to him and Napoli's recruitment team because they've absolutely nailed it. And he's, without a doubt, been the best manager in Italy this season. And it's a shame that he's not going to be there next season. He has now left his role. Um, he wants a year off, a um, sabbatical. And uh, it looks like Luis Enrique could be heading to to Naples uh, if he doesn't end up at Tottenham, um, or even maybe um, Sergio Cuanchao of Porto or Julian Nagelsmann. But yeah, it'll be very interesting to see who who does take that job. But it's a very very good job 
for any um, elite manager at the moment. I think you're right. I think that as long as the players all stay, they don't get taken apart. I think it's definitely a, someone like Enrique should consider because, frankly, Tottenham, um, even though my hatred is not what you guys have, I do like the club. But I think if Kane leaves, it's a club that's in the terrain. I think that if he's got a choice of them to have to pick Napoli, provide all the players stay. And even if they do, even if they do leave, I think the city of Naples, a passionate fan base, and what is really a, a wide open Serie A title race, I think it'd be silly to turn down the chance. Um, but that is really the end of our podcast. So I will just quickly recap our three lineups we've done on this podcast. So Naeem's La Liga team, it's a 4-3-3 with um, Stegen in goal. And I do apologise, I might mispronounce a lot of these names. Um, Elish Balde from Barcelona at right-back. Real Madrid's Eden Militao and Barcelona's Jules Kunde at centre-back with Valencia's Jose Gaia at left-back. His midfield three is Barcelona's Pedri, Sociedad's Mikel Marino and Real Madrid's Valverde. With his front three being Anton Griezmann, Robert Lewandowski and Vinicius Jr. With his manager being Xavi. And my Premier League team of the season is Alisson in goal, back four of Kieran Trippier, William Saliba, Ruben Diaz and Purvis Estupinen. My midfield three is De Bruyne, Rodri and Martin Udegaard. My front three, Mohamed Salah, Erling Haaland and Martinelli, with my manager being Eddie Howe. Now Ryan's team was a 4-2-2-2 formation. The goalkeeper was Ivan Providel of Lazio. The back four was Stefan Posh of Bologna. Bash. Kim Minjay of Napoli, Armando Izzo of Monza, and Teo Hernandez of AC Milan at left back. His two were Sergi Malinkovic-Chavage of Lazio and Lorenzo Pellegrini of Roma. The rest of the team is Boli Delalia of Salazinatana, the two are Martinez of Inter Milan, and then Victor Oshiman and Kivica Kavaris-Gilia of Napoli uh, in the rest of that team. With his manager, being Luciano Spalletti, who for now is the manager of Napoli. In the meantime, um, we hope you've all enjoyed that episode and we will hope to bring you either next week or the week after our worst teams of the season, as well as a big episode as we look to preview the Champions League final between Man City and Inter Milan. In the meantime, this has been the Eurotrips podcast. I've been Andy, this has been Ryan and Naeem, and we will see you guys next time.